How is it that we as individuals, organizations, and businesses can support language learning and language use in the world? It's through advocacy, which can be as simple as being enthusiastic about language and cultures in classrooms and in families, to national advocacy, where programs and funding are critical in order for students to be able to have opportunities to learn. This podcast is going to focus on national advocacy and its implications in everyday experiences of students, teachers, businesses, and organizations nationwide as we talk with Amanda Seewald, Executive Director of JNCL Nicholas. Welcome to Vista Higher Learning's podcast series, The Language Imperative. Vista's commitment for over 20 years has been language education and language educators. We're proud to support and share the work of those organizations and institutions that serve and strengthen language education for all. As the preeminent language and literacy publisher in the United States, our singular focus is to empower you as a language educator with the tools and research-based knowledge you need to meet the needs of all learners. Whether you're guiding students in learning a new language, improving an additional language, or perfecting their native language, our work is for you and our stand is with you. We look forward to sharing this podcast with you. It's a pleasure to welcome you here today, Amanda Seewald. Thank you, Nora. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, I'm excited to talk with you on behalf of Vista Higher Learning about JNCL Nicholas and the fact that you are now, as of 2023, the executive director of JNCL Nicholas. And let's start out for our audience, please, by you giving the meaning of that acronym, which is quite lengthy, so that that can set the stage for what it is and what it does and what you do. Sure. Well, I'll begin by explaining that JNCL Nicholas, which you're correct, is a mouthful, stands for the Joint National Committee for Languages and the National Council for Languages and International Studies. And we are one of the only organizations I know of that uh, says the letters of the first part of the acronym and sounds out the second part. So it's JNCL Nicholas, which I always find very amusing, and it helps people remember as well. But JNCL is a national network that unites uh, language professionals from across the nation, organizations, companies, and institutes, uh, totaling over 300,000 professionals around the nation who are focused on language education. And what we do is we advocate uh, and we help lawmakers and those in positions of power understand the essential nature of multilingualism and of the language education that leads us to supporting multi multilingualism in our nation. And that is really the work that we do on a daily basis across the entire year, both, um, you know, really just to help grow programs in our nation, as well as sustain those that exist. That's a very big charge. And it clearly involves many, many people, as you cited those numbers. And at the national level, what is it for those who may not even be thinking at the national level because they're so engaged in their local, their community, their school system, their 
their community as a business owner or as an organization that's located in a particular town? What is it that the national level does that the local levels cannot do, if anything? Well, I think that's it's a great question. And really, what we're able to do at the national level is be the collective voice that allows for transformational change in federal policy. And mm-hmm. that is really what I think is the most important charge of, of, of our organization. How we are able to gather information from the different states, pull this idea together and help pull people together and amplify their voices with those who make the policy, those who, uh, who create uh, laws and who consider the way that um, education functions and the way that multilingualism functions in our nation, uh, or maybe that they're not considering that and we need to bring it to their attention. Uh, what we also do is support those local and state issues by making sure that our member organizations and all of our members of those organizations are aware of the ways that we can support them through writing letters of support, through making sure that we are present to provide testimony when necessary, even if it's virtual, but that really taking it from a national standpoint, providing perspective that other individuals may not have in their own states. For example, bringing our advocates together from across the nation gives this chance for those who are in one state to share their experiences and some of their challenges and maybe some of their greatest triumphs with advocates from another state. And they learn from each other, we build on that, and that helps us create an even stronger national presence. Now, while It's clear, based on your wonderful description there, why a national presence would also be an important presence. What's the history of JNCL such that it was decided that this would be established? How how long has it been in existence? And what kinds of changes over the years have you seen or have happened with this organization? Well, you know, JNCL Nicholas has a very long history. We've been in existence for over 40 years. And we started, it's really a beautiful story, the way that it was started. There was a Carter Commission from President Carter in the 70s. And serving on that commission were two members of Congress at the time, Paul Simon and Leon Panetta, who, you know, Senator Simon became a senator. And of course, we know that Leon Panetta became the director of the CIA, as well as eventually the, um, the Secretary of Defense. We know that both of these incredible men had a very important perspective on the value of language, the value of multilingualism, and of course, how it impacted our nation. And knowing that there was a dearth of support for this, uh, the commission came out with a report that said that there needed to be an ongoing presence in Washington, D.C. that focused on language. And as a result of that, Dr. Jim Alatus from Georgetown developed the concept of JNCL Nicholas and brought on our founding uh, executive director, J. David Edwards, Dr. J. David Edwards. And it was an incredible kind of marriage of talents and skills and genius, as far as I can tell, that really, you know, made an impact on bringing this concept to something that needed to happen all the time and bringing the collective idea to fruition to support multilingualism. Now, of course, I think that through its different uh, experiences over the years, we've had um, different levels of support in different ways from different places. But the truth is that what JNCL Nicholas is and always has been is the one national body, the one national organization that can bring together all of these voices on language. Uh, 
and bring together, whether we're talking about heritage learners or we're talking about K through 12 or higher ed, or we're also talking about businesses and we're talking about the way that multilingualism impacts uh, native speakers of English or those who are looking for a way to build their own languages and keep their languages as a part of their identity. What we know is that there is strength in multilingualism. That has always been the impetus behind what our nation needs, what JNCL needs, and what why JNCL exists. We exist to further that cause. Our mission has always been the same, for everyone to be able to learn English in at least another, one other language. Our mission has never changed in over 40 years. And truly what it is is about opportunity, about access, about equity, and about the, the way that we value what I believe is a fundamental human right, which is language. Would you repeat that mission statement again so that we can hear it again clearly? Sure. For all Americans to be able to learn English and at least one other language. Thank you. And one reason, the reason why I asked you to repeat it was, first of all, it's a beautiful and succinct mission statement. And second is that I would imagine that sometimes those that do not understand the language enterprise or who have not felt empowered by it in their own, say, studies as young people, will sometimes feel that language studies are somehow going to, I, I know I'm putting words in some people's mouth, but uh, I believe that this is could be true, you'll tell me, feel that language is to, to supplant English doesn't honor English as a language of the United States. But your mission statement indicates that it is supporting both English and additional languages. Hark back now to when uh, the establishment of GNCL, before we move forward, what is it that the two men saw, knew, about the importance of language that made them commission this study and then act on this study in such a way? Well, you know, again, it was a group of lawmakers. I just point out two who have been involved and who continued to be involved for so many years. But what I what I believe that was, you know, the driving force behind this was the need for international understanding, the need for the ability to communicate internationally and really help to grow our capabilities from a national security standpoint and also from an international business and collaborative standpoint, which at the time was so essential uh, for our domestic and international policy. What I think has happened over time, and I'm thrilled to say that, has been the development of a better understanding of how multilingualism impacts our domestic well-being and in addition to what it does internationally, but how it impacts our functional um, our culture and our cultures domestically and what that means for a daily, uh, daily interactions with people near you, who, who you know, and those who you don't know. Uh, and I think that we haven't seen the full potential of that yet. I think it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing piece of work. So what is now this exciting unfolding? What is the role of JNCL in this ongoing work? What are some of the successes that you have seen? 
Well, I mean, I want to say a couple of things about that. I want to talk about the successes, but I want to really break it down to what we do, if that's possible, because I think it's still one of those nebulous things. So we advocate, we represent, but what does that look like? What does that mean? That means that we build advocacy trainings. We train, we help people who care about this issue know how to express their stories, uh, how to share their experiences, and how to do so in a way that persuades those in positions of power, those in positions of authority or the ability to make a change, um, understand the importance. We help to make sure that we get this collective national voice at to the table in on issues of education, on issues of domestic and international security. Um, and how do we do that? We have someone who is our director of government relations, John Bernstein, who goes and meets with members of Congress. I do the same. I just came back from D.C. yesterday where we had the opportunity to really work with people and talk to these leaders about how to integrate this important piece of policy into the legislation that we're developing or that is being developed. We also create opportunities for advocates to, to, again, to share those with decision makers by having events like our Language Advocacy Days each year that give people a chance to really just take away all of the other noise in their, in their experiences and focus on this one thing that drives probably their professional experience and their personal experiences, which is, you know, language. And we work to grow um, support in ways that are beyond our choir, so to speak. We, and that's one of the goals that I have for the organization is to think about how we make sure that this concept of multilingualism and the need for language education that is comprehensive and complete and accessible to everyone is at the table, is in conversations in other aspects of education with other parts of our world economically, with businesses, and to make sure that that paradigm of not needing to be multilingual or not seeing their language experience, those of us who've gone through language education in the United States you know, years ago, that that wasn't of value, but to see the importance of a focus on that and how it impacts so many other things. So I want to just start by explaining that, and I appreciate the time to explain that a little bit about what we do. And this is an ongoing daily piece of work that we do. Um, what that means is that we have some great successes. Over the years, uh, you know, we saw the the National Security Education Program happen, which, you know, supports the Boren Awards and the flagship. Uh, that came out of a great deal of work from JNCL advocates many years ago. The same with the FLAP program, the Foreign Language Assistance Program, which then, after years of having such important impact, was cut by Congress. Now, what I can say is that years later, and in the last several years, we've seen some great successes that are leading us back to, or maybe maybe forward to, even broader success. One of those is the World Language Advancement and Readiness Grants Program, which we refer to as WALARA. We always look for easier ways to say things. Um, Wallara serves military-connected uh, school districts, those with JROTC programs, and those that are related to the Department of Defense, so that students in these schools have the opportunity to learn another language and helps build these programs, these world language and dual language programs, through grants from the Department of Defense. It's been a huge win for us under the leadership of the late uh, Re Representative Don Young of Alaska and the represent and Representative uh, David Price, who recently retired from Congress, who led our America's Languages Caucus. So. What we find is that that piece of legislation helped set the stage for other growth as well. 
we've seen, uh, in addition to that, obviously I mentioned the caucus, one of our biggest wins is to have a bicameral caucus that focuses on America's languages. America's Languages Caucus is in the Senate and in the House, and we have new leadership in the House under Representative Jimmy Panetta as co-chair. Um, and, you know, in the Senate through Senator Schatz and uh, Senator Capito, we have that ongoing presence so that all of the things I'm about to mention that are successes or that are building on, on the success have a have a set of um, advocates of congressional advocates ready to support our growth. So another several other pieces. Uh, one in particular is the Native American Language Resource Center and the Durban Feeling Act, both of which are so very integral to who we are as a nation because they represent the recognition and the need to follow the law that was built under the Native American Languages Act to support and sustain and revitalize indigenous languages in our nation. And so the passage of NALRC just this past December is a humongous success that we celebrate. And it's perfect to be happening during the decade, the International Decade of Indigenous Languages. Uh, so those are some very big wins. And the next step is that, you know, we've moved our caucus into the next uh, phase of its leadership, right? You know, with the retirement and the passing of, of, of our leaders in the House, we're we're in the rebuilding space where we've got new members of Congress. We've got the leadership of, you know, the, the legacy-based leadership of Representative Jimmy Panetta, who, as I mentioned, his father was involved in the development of our organization in the first place. So having that type of ongoing support I think helps us be successful. And the next steps are there in front of us, right? We support title funding, title three, title six. We make sure that these pieces of legislation that support education are always sustained and growing. And right now we're focusing on World Leap, which is a piece of legislation that I am so thrilled to have had the opportunity to work on and develop with our Director of Government Relations and with many of our advocates who helped us decide what needed to go into this. World Leap, the World Language Education Assistance Program, aims to, to look at what the FLAP program did years ago, which brought language programs to K through 12 experiences, and build on that and look at what the Wallara grants are doing now for the military connected programs and bring it and make it accessible across the nation to all schools and all students. This would be a fundamental change in the way that things go because right now there is zero zero in the Department of Education that supports K through 12 language education. And so knowing to have that we would have some type of grants program that would do that and that would be based in the Department of Education is a very important next step. And getting that out there, we have some some offices looking at inter, in, um, introducing it soon. Representative Panetta's office, is, he has said just last week, he announced that he's going to be introducing this bill. And we could not be happier. To me, just these steps are the next pieces of success that we need to move multilingualism to be seen as an asset in our nation in the way that it should be and always should have been. Inspiring sequence of very important acts, bills, potential grants, and that world leap that you mentioned, the excitement of having something finally, potentially here in the Department of Education nationally. That's so superior. Now, Amanda, those are so many things that you, as the executive director of an organization that's focused on this, were able to to put into that wonderful series and share. How do, do 
individuals, organizations, businesses, and others that do care about language, how do they have their voice heard? What kind of role do people play with regard to this work of JNCL? Well, I, I first I want to rewind and just say I've only been executive director of this organization for just over a month. Prior to that, I was the volunteer president of this organization for two years. And prior to that, president-elect. And prior to that, I was serving on the board. And even before that, I was a representative of one of the organizations, of the Foreign Language Educators of New Jersey, um, where I was coming each year to our Language Advocacy Days and learning and being an advocate. And I was what we call the official delegate. for that, for Flange at that time, and then once we opened our our membership to small businesses, I had the unique opportunity to be the official delegate for my own business, Maracas. And in doing that, um, being the official delegate is what allows JNCL to have a voice from each one of its member organizations. So each organization selects one person to be a, our direct liaison. That person has both the responsibility and the opportunity to help carve the way that uh, JNCL Nicholas moves forward to help us make decisions about policy moves and also to share with us what the interests, the needs, and the challenges are uh, that 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 organization or uh, company is facing with regard to language and that are important to that member organization. So the role of the official delegate is essential and always has been to JNCL Nicholas. And that's really how they share that information, how we get that information, so that it's not 300,000 people telling us different things. But this is really just the perfect way for it to be um, not only a, a chance for us to build leadership, honestly, in this area, which so desperately always needs more leadership, um, but also to turn that around and provide feedback and support in ways that meet the needs of all of our members. Uh, So, you know, there are many issues that we're all facing each day. And um, that's, that's one of the ways that we make sure that JNCL Nicholas can be effective in uh, serving the needs at a federal level, serving our member needs, and also making sure that we are there for them in their local um, state and even in their own organizational needs. If they have a a board meeting or some type of meeting where they would like us to be present, we want to make sure we're available to them in every way. And, you know, you say this organization, it seems very large and it is with with regard to the national perspective, but inside we're small, (laughs) Um, you know, from the perspective of our human resources. I am a part-time executive director, uh, and I'm honored to serve this organization in such an incredible capacity. And we have one full-time person, our you know our incredible director of strategic initiatives and member outreach, Alyssa Rakowski, and our director of government relations, John Bernstein. And that John is every day working on Capitol Hill with us to make things happen, uh, helping to guide strategy. Alyssa and I are working on different ways to move the organization forward. But the bottom line is what we're able to achieve because of the collective voice, because of our official delegates, and because of the way our member organizations support us and look for ways to be engaged, that's what makes JNCL Nicholas function so well and have such an effective outreach. Very lean and very powerful because of the collective voice. It sounds, Amanda, like you're talking about two kinds of directions. One is uh, 
information coming out from JNCL, resources, availability to speak, which you just referred to, um, the events, I'm sure, that, that JNCL is engaged with. And then the, the other direction being bringing in the official delegates for the language days, the language advocacy days annually. Can you speak a little bit more about those two flows, the information and resources and availability going out, and then what the language advocacy days are like coming forward towards the legislators? Well, I mean, I, I think the best way for me to do that is to explain my own experience as well. When I was representing uh, Flange, for example, the Foreign Language Educators of New Jersey, I knew that my responsibility as an official delegate was to bring information about what was going on with regard to language education to JNCL Nicholas so that they were aware of what was happening in the state and also to legislators. And that gave me the chance to share that information in a, in a space where other people would recognize, value it, and use it to build their own, um, their own information. And then from JNCL Nicholas, I would garner the experience, the knowledge, the, the depth of understanding of the legislative process and policy development process that would help me learn to hone my own story in a way that would... Um, make an impact with legislators uh, and with those around me. Even doesn't have to just be legislators, but those in, in positions of authority in education in even my local area or in my state. So I think that the importance of JNCL Nicholas being able to share information broadly, making sure that our newsletter goes out each week and making sure that we have ongoing contact, that we have regular updates and sharing opportunities with our director of government relations across our, our different states and our different organizations. Uh, that outward push, that outreach is so essential because what it does is it provides us with the it provides our advocates with the tools they need to make a difference each day where they are. And it provides our advocates with some ideas to bring back to us about what, what they need. And so I feel like this is, um, it's one of the most unique and important functions that we have. And as a part of that, we have a legislative action center. Our legislative action center, I think, is one of the most important benefits our members have, where we're able to create a call to action for anything. I, I mean, any state that is experiencing a challenge with a piece of legislation or looking to create a piece of legislation or pass something or get something moving, can any of those member organizations can write to our legislative action center, tell us what the issue is and what they need. And we create a tool that allows all of their members and all of the people they're looking to reach to be able to impact that issue through direct mailings and direct um, inter interaction with their legislative offices. I believe that that's one of the most important things we can do going outwardly, right, to our, to our states and our local areas. I also feel that it, it helps us make sure that our national message, our national voice is always aware of and paying attention to the different um, parts of our uh, constituency, so to speak, um, our members. And speaking of members again, I hope I answered you, that question well. <laughs> oh, you certainly did. No question about that. Now, speaking of members, you mentioned different types of members at the beginning, and the education has certainly been predominant in the in the impact of our conversation here so far. What are, what types of members are there for JNCL, and 
what what are the benefits of those various for those various kinds of members to be part of JNCL? Well, I mean, I think in order to think, I mean, I want to talk about the members and different kinds that we have. So I'll start by saying we have professional organizations of of, edu- of language educators. Uh, that's one of our largest groups of members is from all the different states, uh, our regional organizations and our national language organizations. Those are all professional organizations that are so essential to the heartbeat of what we do, right? They are really at the center on the day-to-day understanding what's going on. In addition to that, and also as a necessary part of that, we need to be surrounded by institutes of higher education, institutes that focus on study abroad and focus on international studies. Those are nonprofit organizations or institutes that really focus on language as a part of what they do every day or maybe the central piece of what they do. Their knowledge of what's going on in that space and their need to make sure that their uh, their value is amplified it is a part of why, why they're members of our organization. And then there's also our for-profit businesses, of businesses, whether it's a small business like my own, Maracas, or whether it's a large business like Vista Higher Learning, one of our most incredible members um, who has provided great sponsorship as well as great leadership in looking at ways that they can help grow advocacy. Because there is a responsibility for every company, every business, every institute, every policy making space to really pay attention to how is multilingualism growing in a meaningful way in our nation. And I think that, you know, for our those businesses that are members of our organization, I think it's so essential for them to be there because what they bring to this conversation that is, of course, a, a very educational conversation is the perspective of what that education leads to and what the lack of that education does to the lack of language education and well-articulated language education, what it does to their businesses or what it could do to their businesses. I mean, we know that in the government for years, there have been so many jobs that have gone unfilled because of a lack of the multilingual skills necessary to fill them. That's true at large companies as well. And I think we've only really scratched the surface of language education companies as well as larger companies, international companies, companies doing business internationally that require multilingual employees who I believe have a need and maybe a responsibility as well to join our conversation about this and to join our advocacy because without it, I think it makes a very broad impact um, economically. So I would say that our members represent so many different diverse perspectives about the same issue and also bring that issue to bear in different ways. And the more we grow the different types of members that we represent, all focusing on that same issue, the stronger that our message is, and I believe the stronger our outcomes continue to be. Powerful promise for those that engage and provide their voice in the conversation, that perspective that you speak of. Do you have a story or stories that you can tell of success in understanding the impact of this and conversely potentially a story of what happens when people do not realize the importance of language in the uh, life and success of institutions, businesses, or individuals? Well, I think that, you know, telling stories about our impact as an organization uh, is 
telling the stories of the policy and the legislation that we've that we've been able to help bring about i think that even more importantly is the individual impact that it has we have this collective incredible national impact where we bring together all of these voices and i think that that story to tell that story and to tell how we came to be those are so essential but i really think it's also the impact that being involved in this work has on an individual and i can only speak you know obviously of of my own experience really clearly but i i would say that you know i think that when for me over 15 years ago when i came to know jncl nicholas and had the opportunity to to meet j david edwards and he gave me advice and helped me share my thoughts and he listened he listened to me and it was one of the first times that i felt as an educator that i was heard beyond my own space and heard in a way that could actually have impact uh, impact beyond my classroom, impact beyond my school. Um, and in addition to listening, he gave me a space to share my ideas with others like me and who weren't like me. Um, and that platform uh, really helped me grow, uh, helped me grow professionally, but also really helped me grow personally. You know, I, I came, I, in addition to him listening to me, I listened to every word he ever said to me. In fact, I did an entire interview that I recorded with him for posterity for this organization, but also, you know, just to understand what are the things that are so important to focus on. And listening to him and listening to my other colleagues, some of whom are still very involved with the organization today, uh, you know, I feel like it's been such a personal growth for me. Um, and I guess what I what I want to share is that our culture and our country has evolved on what identity means. One thing that other nations have really focused on over the years is that human right of language. And I believe that part of what JNCL Nicholas has been able to do by drawing attention to this, both for the individual like myself and for the collective group and those who are not in our group, but to whom we are speaking, is to help the concept of language and the understanding of language as a human right and a human piece of identity, it's who we are, um, creates empathy. It creates an understanding that I think that we never could have imagined, even as an organization, that we can impact. But I think we can. And I think we do. And I think we have. Um, so I guess my story is that my own experience advocating for myself in a high school that was suburban and I could only take one language and I wanted to take two, having to go to the county college at night to do so because my school didn't understand why would you want to take two languages. Then moving into the college situation where I applied for a national scholarship through this national security education program and was able to get it, but then before I was able to get it, the dean in my college refused to sign it because they thought I was doing, it was going to make me a spy. You know, all of these different things that got in the way, I realized, okay, so these are all barriers to every student in every different way, whether it's policy that's in the way, a person who's in the way, a po you know, a, a way of thinking that gets in the way, or just the, I was lucky. I had parents who were supportive. I had the knowledge to push forward and I kind of had the the determination to see it through and I had other people supporting me. Not every student has that. 
And um, I used that and then was asked to advocate. And I think that's what lit this fire in me. I know I see it in our advocates every time they come to, to take part in our events. And I see someone go from being you know, quiet, not sure why they're there or not sure how they can, not sure how they can impact the situation to all of a sudden they're creating advocacy tools. They're sharing information and making an impact and making a difference. It includes bringing new members of our caucus in because of their stories, because of the things that they say to their legislators, helping us have a bipartisan space because of that. Um, so I feel like the story is each individual advocate's story. That is really the story that I think that helps JNCL grow and helps people understand the importance of the work that we do. Um, and I only use mine because it's it's the closest to me. But I what I see every day as you know my 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 perspective continues to grow because I have the honor of leading this organization, and I get to see other people showing how they can take tools. I, you know, I think about uh, my colleagues in Rhode Island and what they've been able to achieve with Erin Papa, who is an incredible advocate, using that skill to bring people together to make an impact in her state. I think about the offices that we've been able to get into because of people in states where maybe this is not an issue that they see supported well enough, but taking the time to use their own stories and their own experiences and going into situations that may not be so comfortable for them, but finding the, a way to tell their story and then coming back with incredible information that changes things. So I think that the stories are all of ours individually and also of that collective coalition spirit that without it, I think we can't move. The power of the story that you just shared about yourself, especially segues for me into the encouragement of those listeners who may be listening from a perspective of being a classroom teacher and never having thought about or feeling like they didn't have time to add to their life to go out and advocate. You have provided a vision there of an experience of an individual student. So I'm thinking about how JNCL's perspective can be when you look out in a classroom and you see the individual students and you want the opportunities for those students, the openings for those students. You want barriers down, you want money for programs that will allow students to succeed, that this is a way of bringing a perspective of the power of JNCL to the individual teacher who may not think of themselves as an advocate. Oh, yeah. And I think teachers... I mean, let's face it, most teachers right now are just trying to get through the day. They, it's, been a, it's been a difficult several years for teachers, no matter what you're teaching, but in particular language educators. And what I see is that I want every educator listening and everyone who uh, works with an educator listening to know that every single day you have an opportunity to advocate by bringing engagement to your classroom, by helping share your love of language, your value of multilingualism to your students in ways that help them see that as a fundamental part of who they can be or who they are. What they bring to the classroom matters. What they, the language and culture that they bring has impact 
as well as those who come and don't have that outside experience and don't have, you know, an internal experience of language, but are so engaged by what you do as an advocate every day. And I mean, almost sometimes I like to interchange educator with the word advocate, because the fact is you are advocating every day for what you know to be essential as a part of a student's upbringing, as a part of a student's um, educational experience, just by teaching them in a way that excites them, that engages them. And so, yes, it's not an and, it's a part of, and it's not a more, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way of integrating everything you do into the steps you take each day in your, in your own world. That's a hopeful statement right there. And a statement that honors the work of educators every day. So speaking of hope, Language in the United States has been an interesting and fairly problematic thing, and we've addressed some of the things that have been successful and some of the things that will be successful. When you look forward then in your role in this organization and as an individual educator and worker in this education language space, what do you see coming down the pike? Towards what shall we hope and towards what shall we continue to advocate? Well, I think that obviously the discrete pieces of legislation and policy that we're working on, whether it's World Leap or looking at the BEST Act and making sure that the seal of biliteracy is across our nation in ways that uh, is provided in an equitable and accessible way, or if it's looking at study abroad through the Paul Simon Act, or really just looking in general at the concept of policy and representation in the Department of Education. All of those pieces are so essential and really the work that we're doing every day. So I see that as our next step. Uh, But I also, and I also see that it is so important for us to look beyond even our lawmakers and certainly beyond our own choir, our own members. And I want to ensure one of the most important goals that I have and that I know our board has is to see that the concept of multilingualism and globalized education, I want to to use those terms together because you cannot have a globalized educational model without language. And so we hear a lot about that. I want to bring that concept to groups of superintendents, to groups of parents, to students. And I want this advocacy that we talk about not to only emanate from those who are teaching it and those who are in the space fully 100% all of the time, maybe 700% all of the time, but who are, but those who understand its value and maybe haven't articulated it well enough in their own spaces, meaning taking us beyond our box and being sure that we focus always on our mission, but that we take our mission to spaces and to places where the conversation can change because of our presence. And I believe that that's the next step. I know that JNCL Nicholas as an organization with a mission that is so essential must exist. It has for so long and it must continue to do this work. Uh, in order to further our nation, quite frankly. And I know it sounds lofty and large, but I think it's very true. You know, there are many issues that face our country every single day, uh, but who we are is one of them. And I don't think you can have a discussion about who we are as a nation without talking about language, without talking about culture. And that understanding and that empathy that we grow with others who are like us and others who are not maybe like us has to be a part of our nation's work. 
It has to be a part of it domestically and it has to be a part of it internationally. And to be successful in a globalized economy, I think that, and to, of course, to add to the conversation and shift the conversation for sustainability for our planet and for our, our, our way of life um, as, a, as a world, we have to have this conversation. And I don't think it's beyond what we do. I think it's exactly what Jay and Sal Nicholson, what our incredible advocates do every single day. I often say to teachers that I work with, that language educators are the global liaisons that our schools and our communities need. We just have to take up that mantle. We have to be the ones to know that because of our understanding of the connections and the value and the integral nature of language we ha- and culture, we have the ability to shift conversations when we speak in the right places. So I think that these are this, this is the future of Jay. This is the present and the future of the work of Jay and Seal Nicholas. Thank you. That brings so much hope. And when those that are not familiar with JNCL or familiar with some of the very important legislative uh, possibilities that can create that, that equity, that growth, that understanding, that honoring of language and its role in individuals and communities' lives and globally, where where do they go? How do they learn more? How do they get involved? Thank you for asking. Of course, we have a great website. It's www.languagepolicy.org, and that's where to start. Start there. Look at our advocacy page, which we just redid and we love, and we're excited to continue to add resources from our advocates around the nation and learn about us. And of course, the greatest thing is we want to be available. So certainly write to us, um, info at languagepolicy.org. I want to be available to people who want to learn more. I want to make sure that um, our advocates are available to give you their perspectives. And that's, again, one of those values of having such incredible official delegates from all of our member organizations. That's where to go. And, And look and follow our get our newsletter, make sure that you sign up to receive our newsletter weekly that will keep you aware of things going around all over the nation um, and, and of those things going on with our member organizations as well as our own organization. So that's where I would tell people to go. And the other thing I would tell you to do is look around your community. Look around. When I say community, I mean your school. I mean your classroom, your school, your actual community where you live and what's going on in your state. And think about where are people not being heard? Where are those spaces where maybe there's not access? And I guarantee you in most of those spaces that you find, there is an absence of a focus on multilingualism and an absence of a focus on culture. That's where we all belong. And that's where the work that we do collectively has an impact. Amanda, thank you so much. Is there any other word before we end today that you want to be sure that folks hear? Well, I think I've, I've pretty much said it all, but I, I, I want to just say that it's the time that people give. Um, only you can share your experiences uh, and your story with others to catalyze change. No one else can be you. No one else can know you or know your own human experience. This is one of the other reasons why one of the most important things I want to say today is to call on educators to get their students to speak up about this. We've had the the benefit of having students at our last several language advocacy days. Having students present talking about how important this is to them changes the game. 
It changes everything because that's who we want to hear from. I talk about my own experience as a student because I went through it, trying to find a way to be able to study abroad, to be able to study more than one language. I know from things I've heard from other students that this is real, that this happens to them in different ways. We want to hear the voices of students. We want everyone to hear how important this type of globalized education, globalized focus on education is uh, that incorporates culture and is in importantly language. Uh, so my last thing to say is that I really hope that uh, teachers and educators and those listening will turn and think about how they can amplify those voices by joining us and helping us and bringing it all together collectively. I think we we have so much strength in our voice when we work together. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for the exhortations and the information and the insights and for sharing vulnerably as well. It's been very important to hear about the organization and the personalization that you have brought, I know is an invitation to individuals, institutions, businesses, organizations of all kinds to take a look at and to become engaged with and become members of or donate to Jay and Seal Nicholas. Thank you so much for everything you've provided us today. Thank you, Nora. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you to Vista Higher Learning for sponsoring such an important conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As an educator, you have the power to reimagine and reshape education and thus the world. Vista Higher Learning is committed to giving you the best programs, resources, information, and support to ensure that your students succeed in school and in life. We are committed to being your partner in education. Bring Vista along for your education journey. For more information about Vista Solutions for your K-12 classroom, visit vistahigherlearning.com. Dot com.